Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, Swine Robotics, SwineWeb.com, and Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about leaving no piglet behind. And joining us is Dr. Seth Krantz of Tosh Farms. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm doing fantastic, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. Just a couple of weeks ago, you did a presentation at the Layman Conference around leaving no piglet behind. And I thought yep. this was a great topic as premium mortality is a big topic of this month with the whole survivability conference that's coming up towards the end of October. Yep. Yeah. So if you go ahead. I was going to say, it's probably always a big topic, um, even when there's not those kind of conferences or it should be a big topic. It should be. It's right now with ASF and with uh, all the stuff going around with PERS and everything, it's kind of fallen at the kind of the back of people's ears, but it's yeah. uh, definitely coming back to the forefront of people's minds this month. And I guess before we get started, would you be able to introduce yourself and your background and what brought you to the swine industry? Yep. Uh, well, um, I kind of stumbled into this, the pig industry for sure. Um, my name is Seth Krantz. I've been I'm here at Tosh Farms as a veterinarian for nine years now. Um, been out of vet school for um, 11 years. Um, so I spent some time in a large swine practice right out of vet school um, before I came back to Tennessee. Um, grew up in Tennessee. Actually did not like pigs at all growing up. Um, we had some sows out in the mud hole and you know, weaned pigs that were six, eight weeks old. And um, I didn't enjoy raising pigs like that. Um, but it, it wasn't until I was in college and I went to a, a real farm and, um, experienced pigs in a different way. Um, then through that, some internships and I met some pig vets, um, that kind of led me to where I am now. So the so rest your, is history, I guess. What What is one of your better or more interesting memories from when you were raising pigs in the mud holes? Oh gosh. Um, well, one was like, you know, holding pigs that were nearly as big as I was, um, while my dad was castrating them and, you know, they're kicking and I'm trying to hold them. And, um, for plenty of reasons, that was not ideal, but, uh, that was one that sticks out a lot. Um, and two snaring, um, sows out in mud holes and putting rings in their snout. Um, so they don't tear down the fences and, um, that was not fun at all. So, um, I very much appreciated, um, how we raise pigs now, um, once I experienced that and realized I didn't dislike pigs. I just didn't, didn't like the way we were doing it. So, yeah, I have vivid memories of my dad and grandpa castrating (laughs) older nursery hogs. And, uh, yeah, they told me this was normal and I I was not buying it as like a six, seven year old. I was like, no way. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ain't uh, nobody got time for that. That's insane. No, no. So, so when you were in college, where, where did you intern and, and what was that process like? Uh, well, I went to, to school here in Tennessee um, and there aren't a whole lot of pigs in the state of Tennessee or not a large commercial industry, but 
um, just through that, a small program we had at the university um, got kind of connected to the Mashoff. So spent some time up in Illinois. And then that led to internship with a pharma company that had me um, over in North Carolina and all over the place. Um, and through vet school, went to Iowa, Minnesota, Texas, all over the place. And you all, you um, also work with a, a smaller university in Tennessee, don't you? Uh, yeah, well, actually, we've got a little high school program down the road from us. Um, those are the only time I get to see pigs that are colorful. So um, there's red pigs and spotted pigs. And um, so that's an interesting perspective. Um, makes you appreciate the way we raise pigs as well sometimes. But it's a neat little program they have for um, the high school kids to get um, experience. And they they essentially run the, the farm there. So before we hop into the topic today, what is something I like asking this question because it sometimes gives some pretty good answers. Uh, what's something yeah. about you that uh, is unique or cool that most people who know you do not know? Most people who know me in the pig business or most people, period. Uh, we can do uh, pig business if something comes to mind a little easier there. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say there's anything cool about me. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Cool seems quite a stretch. Um, <laughs> probably pretty lame as a whole. Um, I do own a tortoise. Um, really? Like like a she, like a like a big tortoise? Yeah. Well, she's only about thirty pounds now. Holy um, cow. Yeah, she's a hoss. Her name is Gertie. Uh, so that's kind of become a whole little side gig for me. Um, she has a whole like pasture, and she has a little barn that she lives in, and it's kind of absurd. But <laughs> so how big was, is it supposed uh, to get? Uh she'll get up around 80, 90 pounds probably. And so this is like around. the size of the ones you see in the zoo then. Yeah, I think the, the biggest ones are like the Galapagos yeah. tortoises. Those are the giant ones. Um but she's um she's one of the smaller versions, but she'll still okay. get quite big and she'll live forever. We have her in our will already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully our kids like her because one of them's getting her someday. So that's yeah, funny. It's, one, it's a weird deal. But, yeah. So shifting into the topic around premium mortality, mm -hmm. let's start off with just kind of outlining the problem itself. How, how big of a problem is premium mortality in our industry? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, number wise, um, I think industry wide that average is around 14 to 15% um, today. Um, for the last several years, every year we see a pretty steady uptick in it. Um, it's certainly not going down anytime soon. Um, so I think the, the biggest problem there that represents is just it's a loss of a lot of, um, one, it's a loss of our inputs, right? So we're in this business to raise a, a market hog. And so when we don't have wing pigs to become market hogs, um, that certainly affects us from that perspective. And then two, it's just a matter of, um, I think it, it does have some implications about well-being, you know, um, so if pigs are dying, you know, are we doing everything possible to meet our expectations of animal well-being? Um, yeah, I'm glad you said 15, yeah, I'm glad you said 15% because I was trying to find some stuff too before this and at 15%, if you assume the world's around that, which some countries are higher and lower. You're at mm -hmm. about 550 million pigs estimated to to die from from some of this stuff, and so that, that's a lot of pork. 
So oh, you yeah. talked about you talked about inputs. There's a sustainability play there too. All the food and water that goes into every sow to give birth to a litter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's. Um, I guess you can look at it as lost opportunity, or um, I, I don't know. But yeah, we put a whole lot of effort and and work into that, um, and then we just put it in the compost pile. And it's you know it's really a um, an unfortunate situation, and I don't even know. You know, I've always said my my target is that we market a hundred percent of the pigs that come out of a sow alive in that farm house. Um, so that's essentially zero percent mortality for the entire life cycle, which that might be a little bit of a um, maybe that's a little bit too high of an expectation, but um, I think it's worth shooting for because um, biologically it could be possible, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't want we say what, what is normal mortality, pre-winning mortality. And we kind of have an arbitrary, you know, nine, 10% target, but we can certainly be much lower than that. Um, you know, we have farms that do lower than that. So is, is 5% biologically acceptable or is it 2% or is it 10%? Uh, I don't think any of us really know that. I think we've kind of arbitrarily set some of those targets. So what are the, key drivers of the losses where, where are they mainly coming from yeah i mean um in all the all the situations i've ever been involved with um we're looking at normal day-to-day fair and house um situations you know somewhere between 60 to 70 percent of your mortality is there in those first 48 hours i would say um, and that varies a little bit by farm um you know certainly different disease health situations can change that um, but normal everyday situations, all that loss is happening right there on the front end. Um, and so, you know, um, crushing or, or laying on pigs is certainly a big component of that. Um, I would say that's essentially why we lose so many pigs. Um, you know, there are times when we have the PED breaks and the PERS breaks that, um, you know, really wipe us out, but, um, normal everyday plodding along, it's, um, pigs getting laid on. And then what would be the second leading cause, would you say? Um, so, I mean, for um, in our system, it would typically be um, low viability would be the second one. So those really weak born pigs, um, you know, even some of those pigs might have to be euthanized um, at birth. Um, pigs that just aren't even strong enough to get colostrum or get to a teat to start nursing um, would be... Um, pretty distant from laid on, but, um, still a, a significant cause. So for some people who might be listening that have never worked in a farrowing house, why would you euthanize mm-hmm. a pig below a certain birth weight? Yep. Um, well, um, and I guess I would, I would challenge you a little bit on, um, having a certain birth weight as your cutoff. Um, okay. I'm actually not a huge fan of birth weight being your big factor in that euthanasia decision. I know that that could be, you get 10 vets in a room and we have 11 different opinions, but, (laughs) um, you know, obviously between systems that could vary, but, and I get the the economics behind that, that is certain birth weight, they're going to be a certain wean weight, and that's not going to be a a pig that can hit a market weight in time. But what, what I strive for is more of a quality of life determination. So is that pig strong and thriving? you know, can it, um, can it compete and get to that teat and get colostrum? Um, cause I think what I've seen, um, 
is our people, they can save pigs, you know, even if it's a, a 1.8 pound pig, um, you know, that might be under a typical cutoff. Um, but you know, they can provide some special care and actually save that pig. We can wean him. He'll be a little smaller than his cohorts, but, um, you know, he will go on to make a market hog. Um, so there's a long, I said a whole bunch of stuff there. <laughs> so no, but what, what would be your perspective then on premium mortality and its relationship to the, uh, state of mind of employees? Cause I've heard some employees who, if anything gets them super excited and I'm probably in this boat, when you took a, a litter of fall behinds and they weaned at similar weights as the rest of the pigs, man, you felt good. But when you, oh, yeah. when you have all these pigs dying, like how, how do these people handle that? Yep. Um, so I think it's probably one of the things that people can see the efforts of their labor right then and there. Um, you know, they can put that effort into warming and drying pigs and getting colostrum in them. Um, and they can tell they made a, a real difference. And on a south farm, you know, even like breeding, yeah, you can see results, but those are 15 weeks down the road. Um, so, you know, there's always that delayed gratification. Whereas that day one pig care, um, you know, that intensive kind of pig care, you can see those differences. And people hate to see pigs die. I mean, yeah. I, and I hope our people on our farms, that does bother them. Um, it bothers me. It, it bothers them. So I think it's a real driver. Um a real morale booster. Um, and that's where I've seen struggles with, you know, if we have protocols where, you know, we have to euthanize certain pigs, um, that can really affect people negatively. You know, that pig's a really good pig, but he's just slightly underweight. So, um, essentially you're just throwing hope out the window. Um, and I think that that affects people. So as an industry, before we dive into some of the more specifics uh, around the mm -hmm. strategies that you at Toshport have, have implemented, are we getting better or worse with our premium mortality and pig cares as an um, industry? Well, I think the fact that we, we keep talking about it is positive. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think we've just accepted that we have to be mediocre when it comes to pre-weaning mortality. Um, you know, but I think that our situation is there's always a new challenge, right? Um, so it's, it's not only PERS, now it's a more virulent PERS or, you know, it's not just every once in a while TG, now it's PED a lot, you know, so we always have these up and down cycles of, you know, things are going pretty decent and we can really focus on the basics and then we get slammed with something, you know, now it's ASF and we're talking about biosecurity more, um, labor shortages that's probably the biggest one here now um is labor so so i don't i wouldn't say we're getting worse i think it's just it's hard to maintain that focus when there's always a new bigger challenge ahead of us do you think it's somewhat related to the fact that we've gone from what 25 years ago 9.3 pigs per litter to, to 14 some pigs per litter today yeah, um, that certainly um, does create another challenge. Um, I mean, that's what we want as pig producers, pig farmers, right? Um, we want more pigs to be there, um, but it does certainly create more challenges to keep them all alive. Um, you know, it does somewhat create more issues with um, birth weight, things like that. But what I've seen is, you know, the these sows having 18 pigs today, they're not the same 18 pigs we had five, six years ago, even, 
you know, yeah. now we've got 18 pigs. There aren't any of those small little runt pigs or not near the number of them. Um, so I think we've actually, even though we've got more of them, um, we've gotten better pigs overall is my perspective on it. So. That's cool. Yep. So with Tosh pork, where do you currently mm-hmm. stand with your pre-mortality throughout your farms? Yep. Um, and, and so again, we're not perfect by any means. Um, I don't think we're perfect, but, um, you know, as of right now, um, system wide, we're sitting at about 10%. Um, you know, we do have, um, a few farms a little higher than that. Um, so again, nothing spectacular. Um, we have had a couple little health challenges on, in some farms. Um, and I'm using that as an excuse, even though I think a few weeks ago, I said we shouldn't have excuses, but, um, <laughs> and then we do have several farms at the 9%, um, or a little bit under 9% too. Um, so what's yeah. the, what's the best sustained premium mortality that you, you, you guys can have, you guys have had since your, your nine years. Yep. Uh, well, one farm we've got, um, they are absolute rock stars when it comes to saving pigs and they are, um, consistently hang between five and 7%. Um, wow. The only reason, and right now they're sitting at, um, right around 9%. Um, because they're um, kind of wrapping up a purse break there. Um, so, you know, have been significantly higher than that to this break, um, but are starting to get returned to normal there. So prior to the break, was this farm that was hovering from five to 7% a disease-free mm-hmm. unit, or were you already managing oh, yeah. a unit that was, had yeah, they gone through these sows previously, or they were, were they immune and, and never exposed to it? Yeah, no, we did we, we tried to not even say purrs out loud around that place. <laughs> oh, okay. So squeaky clean, um, purrs naive, myco naive, um, never had any of the enteric coronaviruses. Um, so very clean herd for sure. Cool. Um, but yeah, just, um, that's what they do as they say pigs, um, and good, good quality pigs. Um, and, I can't even tell you what their secrets are. Um, I don't even think they have secrets other than they just really care and get in there and get the job done every day. So how do you evaluate pre-wing mortality as a key performance indicator? Yep. Um, well, I guess um, I keep it in perspective typically. Um, I mean, for me, um, the thing that matters the most to me is the quality of pigs that leave that farm um you know because if if we got a farm weaning 35 psy but you know those pigs don't perform because you know they're small they're poor quality something like that um that doesn't get me excited yeah um if it's a 29 30 psy farm but those pigs are rock stars um that's certainly better for us as a overall perspective so and again, you know, if a farm's running a little bit higher, are they failing at life or are they doing everything wrong? No. Um, you know, sometimes there are pretty good reasons for why, you know, we're running a little bit higher. Um, and I think from my perspective, it's important we go in there and we um, we work with folks. Um, we ask questions and we try to understand why are we, you know, sliding back a little bit. Um, Because I think if we go in there with the intention of we got to fix it, we got to fix it, we got to fix it, then you get into situations where numbers get start changing, and you know your pre wing gets better, but your stillborns start creeping up, and yeah, yep, um, yep, yep. 
you know, there's plenty of ways to play the numbers game if you, you know, solely focus on that one metric. Um, so really, I think it's a holistic kind of approach of there's a whole lot of um, whole lot of things going on on those farms. And, um, you know, picking one thing apart doesn't really get you that far. Yeah, it uh, it matters what you measure and what you incentivize, right? I, I was talking with the oh, producer yeah. and, and they were like, they they would take their stillborns, they'd bag them up and send them off for high school students, college students to do dissections. And yep. they had decided that, you know, there's a little bit of work that comes with that. So for X amount of stillborns bagged and sent in, we're going to take everybody out to dinner. <laughs> oh, wow. A lot more stillborns were happening. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're incentivizing something and it's like, oh my goodness, we were just incentivizing the wrong activity. People were focused on those dinners because that's what oh, they were they were seen as a positive. But uh Yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, too, I've just seen um if we just focus on doing what's right, then in general the metrics will follow. Um, you know, I think we try to manage metrics more than we try to help people and manage pigs. Um you know, we're just constantly looking at number and that's important. And we need to benchmark and understand where our farms are at, but, you know, we're not going to change a metric by just looking at it all the time. How we change is we make sure our people have what they need. They understand what they're doing. Um, and pardon my friend, but they give a shit about what they're doing. Right. Yep. So what are those metrics really telling us? Um, I mean, they're, they're giving us some indications of um, how many pigs that farm is producing, but essentially most of our metrics are efficiency metrics on a south farm, right? We want to know we're cranking out X number of critters, you know, per other critter, <laughs> um, you know, so because we want, because south farms are, um, and I hate even saying, it, you know, we always call them a necessary evil, but um they're really wonderful, beautiful places. Yeah. Um, but they've always been, you know, just a means to produce a pig, right? And so when we when we just look at them like that and we just look at them as, you know, lowest cost possible and only efficiency, I think we lose some of the, certainly the nuance and the skill of good husbandry, good care. Um, I think there is some, this is, I don't know, this is probably kind of done, but I think there's some artistry in raising pigs, right? I mean, it's technically relatively simple, but um, it ain't there's always a, easy. There's a yeah. special thing there. I mean, some people yeah, have a I knack am. for knowing when and where should I act and when should I not. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how might we be able to better measure mortality to caregivers' actions in the future to understand how are our people impacting the whole um, on an individualized level kind of like what we do with breeding and and conception rate is mm -hmm. how have you thought through that well to be honest with you i probably haven't thought about it that much um I, well i guess it's kind of one of those things it's it's a little bit more pie in the sky but just because we haven't really i um i guess me personally i haven't i just haven't thought about it in that way because typically I'm thinking about we've got one person who's overseeing several different sows and you might have, you know, different people doing different processes, you know, in that same litter of pigs. So that does get quite tricky. Um, How, yeah, I guess I'm, this, when it comes to pre-win mortality, what are some of the contributing mm -hmm. factors to pre-win mortality that people do have direct impacts over? 
Like what are some of the processes that take place from the time they're birthed to the time we wean where somebody is doing something? I'll throw one out there, fostering. Um, oh, how, yeah. What are some of those contributing processes that, that could have KPIs that might help us yep. understand where we're, we're doing well and where we might not be? Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, you know, all your day one care things. So, you know, some of that would involve fostering. I think where we typically lose it is, are we putting moving the right pigs are we choosing the right sows you know that's always a big that's where some of that nuance and skill comes into place of knowing what to do um you know certainly the timing of it um as we get into a few days of life you know typically it's easy to see when that pig needs to leave when it's a skeleton but um we've really lost the battle at that point so you know understanding finding those early um situations um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, just a matter of, um, being able to document what we're doing, when we're doing, who's doing it, um, certainly is, would help us a lot. So coming out of layman after you finished your presentation, or at least towards mm-hmm. the end of it, what were some of the key takeaways from that or from our talk today that you might hope to send people home with? Yeah, well, um, certainly the, the major, um, I guess point I was trying to make there is it's certainly more about what is the right protocol or what is the right product or, you know, I think that's the, those are typically the discussions we have, right? Cause those are easy fixes. Yeah. Um, you know, if I just put this in place, then that'll take care of it. And I think the, where we typically have more room for improvement is how we are um, helping our people understand those processes understand those products better um and really taking care of them so they'll take care of pig um you know because i'm in um i'm in a particular sow farm maybe it's once a month i'm in there um, potentially more potentially less but you know i'm not saving any pigs right mm-hmm. you know but there's people there every day literally saving thousands of pigs um that's not fair so, I, I, I saw you save a pig once you ran over and saved yeah. it all right. So put, <laughs> put one in that column. Uh, I do. I do like to get my hands dirty every once in a while. So somebody thinks I actually do something, but, um, but no, I mean, we, I think it's important to keep that perspective that, you know, those are the people who are really doing this work and they're the, that kind of key component. And so we, we tend to think we understand what's going on. Um, and I'll be the first one to say, I don't always know what's going on because what I see doesn't necessarily reflect you know, the, the feelings of those people, the attitudes, the other junk going on um, yeah. within that farm and their lives, stuff like that. So, you know, just being a little more understanding and, you know, looking at that from a different perspective, I think is important. Yeah. I mean, cause when we look at everything that people are doing uh, to, to care for these pigs, it's probably pretty fair to say for us on the outside, not doing it, we have a very vague understanding of what specifically they're doing to help that pig thrive and survive or, or, mm-hmm. or cause issues. Yeah. I do have, I don't know if this is kind of a little story or not, but um, you know, it's interesting the way you think about things, you know, usually I go into a farm and I'm thinking, you know, Oh, well, this was done well, or this hasn't been done well. Um, and typically when I'm talking to people, you know, well, these are the steps you need to take. And then you talk to people. And I had a lady one time say, um, 
and she was kind of half listening to me and she was like, you know, I just love working with these pigs because they're just like little puppies. And <laughs> I was like, that's interesting because here I am like thinking, you know, going down this one path that we got to do da, da, da. And she's thinking about how cute they are. Cause you know, there were some that had just been born and, you know, <laughs> then I think back and well, maybe I could have started that conversation a little bit differently. Um, you know, we've had um, folks before who they think about, you know, they call the sows mamas. Um, and I think that's kind of common vernacular we've adopted because they are mamas, yep. you know, mamas and babies instead of sows and pigs. And, um, you know, some people really connect to that, you know, kind of mindset um, that I think really drives that care relationship a lot more. That's interesting. You brought that up because I was doing a ton of convers. I had a ton of conversations with people in, in healthcare because mm-hmm. I always saw pig production as being much similar to that than, than other industries purely because once you step your foot in that door, you are quality of care. You are, yep. you are there. Your customer is the pig, not, yep. not the consumer for the people in the farms at the pig. And so when you go into like a nursing home or a hospital, none of the nurses are sitting there going, we need to make sure that we have 25 per floor at all given times. And we have to make sure that we're in and out of the rooms every 15 minutes. No, they're there to make oh, sure yeah. that they care for their patient. And yep. so when you go in and talk to those individuals, it's like, well, you would never go in there and say, has that patient been been moved out of here within 48 hours. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's interesting connecting with them, knowing that everybody in that farm, they're not a robot. They're, mm-hmm. they're people with a passionate relationship with all these animals as, as goofy yeah. as that might sound to some people who haven't been in it. Yeah. It matters. Yeah. And I, you know, it's easy for me to, to lose perspective, you know, cause there's thousands of, or I'm thinking about tens of thousands or a hundred thousand pigs at a time, but to a lot of those folks on the farm, they're thinking about that one pig that they're drying off right in that moment. Yeah. That one sow that they're breeding. Um, and so I think somehow making that connection, it's not easy. It's easy for me to blow through there, you know, like I'm the, I'm the chief or whatever, and, <laughs> you know, dictate, do this, do this, do this. But um, I think we miss it a little bit when we do that. Miss there it you a lot, you're going to start giving all the piglets names when you go in and work with your team and see how long it takes for them to call you out on it. Can um actually um you got Martin over there, you can dry him off. You can dry Martin off. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh I'm a huge fan of farms that have pet sows. Um maybe not a lot of pet sows, but um some of the some of the better, more the most well-run farms um I've ever been on in other systems, our system, you know, they always have the pet. Um and they always want me to go look at her. Um, you know, usually she's got something weird about her. She's got actually got a little color on her. She's got some kind of deformity and she's probably not a real great productive member of the farm, but she's the one who people give her cookies and, you know, they draw hearts on her sow card. And, um, and I've always been a fan of that too. Um, because one sow out of 6,000, it's not making or breaking you. Um, but I think it does just kind of, it's another, just something that's special. Um, I worked with it, the farm. It reminds that, you too, that all the others are, are just like that, that sow there. They're not the same personality, yeah. but they have one. Yep. You know, and I, you know, obviously I'm not getting deep into the waters of, you know, anthropomorphizing <laughs> sows. And, um, I mean, they do have a function, um, and they are there for the purpose that, that we're doing, but, you know, just having that little bit of humanity about it, of, you know, this is a, an animal that 
you know, we can provide really good care for it. At the end of the day, it's going to go on to provide something useful to humanity. But, you know, while it's in our care, we can treat it decently and well. Um, yeah, we, I know someone that used to have um, baby showers for a sow. Oh, they wow. Had a pet. Her name was Petunia. And every time she farrowed, they would, you know, get cake and take pictures with her. And um, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, we, we had we had a bunch of boars that we'd do that too. We didn't have pet sow, but we basically treated all the boars that way. They all had their names, their names corresponded to their physical traits or uh or behaviors. And um I was talking to this one farm, they kept feeding their boars cookies whenever it'd go mm-hmm. out there to, to to for heat checks. Well, yeah. <laughs> eventually they called the manager and they're like, uh, we need cookies. <laughs> why what's wrong the boar won't the boar won't walk he's not gonna walk until he gets his cookies we ran out so that yeah. was pretty funny and you always hear some good stories but i guess from there what's next for tosh tosh pork yeah um i mean for us you know we're um kind of steadily growing um we're hopefully putting in another um six thousand sows here next year um give or take a few uh, I got a new farm going up though. Um, so just steady plugging along, um, trying to get bigger and better every day. Awesome. Well, before yeah. we close out, one last question I typically ask people who have been on yeah. here for the first time is what's a golden nugget or life lesson that you'd offer to people listening? A golden nugget. You ever heard of that called that way? Golden nugget? Yeah. I'm just thinking. I'm like, pigs specifically or just life in general it could be people management (laughs) it could be home pigs tortoise yeah um don't get a tortoise there's a golden nugget um (laughs) they're a lot more money and and work than i thought they were going to be but anyways um and i guess i'd say you know the last how far are we into covid now at this point i don't even know year and a half like 10 years yeah year and a half um so i mean it's been a real interesting perspective um covid has brought us i think i mean really i think that's for me it's been what's really important in life um you know so i think sometimes we take ourselves a little too seriously um you know things that might not be that important but just overall you know i'd say you know doing what you enjoy and um with the people you enjoy um is really what this is all about so you know um having purpose in the things that you do and and enjoying your family and your friends it's really what all this what matters you know 34 versus 35 psy or 30 versus 35 psy ultimately that's not what makes us happy um but you know finding purpose in what we do and you know raising pigs to the best of our ability i think there's um contentment that comes in that so Thank you for joining us on the Popular Pig Podcast, uh, Seth. It's been great to have you here, and and we appreciate you talking about everything you guys do and the transparency on on the authenticity. It's it's really appreciated. Thanks for having me. Keep up the good work. I know you are doing some good stuff there at your shop, so hope to see more great things coming out of there. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available.
Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.